Hello, my friends. This is Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. For those of you who have been following our ministry, you've been getting these podcasts for a while now. You know that I've been doing three a week since 2015. I recently made an announcement that we are dialing back on the Your Daily Drive podcast, where I'm only doing one a week. It's not that I am doing or building less resources or creating uh, less content. Uh, Actually, I'm creating more, but we have shifted because our demographic has shifted. Back when I started writing articles in 2008, well, articles was king back then. The mobile phone was just getting cranked up, as I think Steve Jobs gave us that in 2007. And so people were on desktops mostly, and reading articles was not a tedious thing to do. And so they were quite popular, and so we got busy churning them out. And I've been doing that for a long time. Well, since 2015, we actually dialed back back then. I was doing five a week before uh, that, and then seven a week before that. And then we dropped down to three, and now we dropped down to one. I'm going to be doing this for an indefinite period of time. And again, all of the articles that I do write, one a week, there will be this podcast because we do want people to have either option. They can read it or they can listen to it or do both. 70% of the people that come to our ministry do so through a mobile device. And that is one of the reasons that podcasts are more popular, videos are more popular. And so we have made that shift. As I said, I am not doing less. I am actually doing more, creating more. Many of you know that we have just uh, collaborated with Dr. Daniel Berger, and that's one of the new resources that we've added to our ministry. A couple of months ago, we have dropped eight videos where he and I have been talking about all things counseling, specifically to his niche. He's a a brilliant man in the area of mental illness and all the disorders and how to view them, respond to them from a biblical perspective. And it just seemed prudent that we needed to get him on board and share his knowledge with the world. We've had we've had several people already. In fact, somebody just commented last night. Jolene commented last night that uh, she's very thankful for the collaboration, and other people have said a similar thing. And so we're doing more, but that means that I have to back off on some of the things that I have done traditionally. And the Your Daily Drive podcast and the article, and the real issue is the article creation. Uh, Depending on the article, depending on what I'm doing, it can take anywhere from 8 to 12 hours to write an article, do a podcast uh, from from beginning to end. And so there's a lot involved. And because our mastermind program is growing, uh, our community is growing, our needs are shifting, I need to refocus and spend my time in other areas. Now, what does that mean for you, for those of you who are used to receiving this content on this Your Daily Drive network? Well, please stay here. Uh, Please continue to subscribe and listen. It will only be one a week. But what I would appeal to you to do, that if you do appreciate what we're doing here and you want to hear more content in a podcast format, well, in actuality, we're going to be doing more of that as well. But it's going to be on our Life Over Coffee network. Now, since I started Life Over Coffee, I'd 
only been doing one podcast a week. That's been the pattern for 268 weeks. I think we have 269 or 270 now. And so we're backing your daily drive down to one a week, but we're ramping up Life Over Coffee to two and maybe three a week. I've already done two this week. I may be I'll probably do a third one tomorrow. And the reason that I'm focusing on life over coffee, well, there's several, but I'll give you one here, is that it's easier to do just a podcast than to write a full long-form article and do a podcast. And so that's the reasoning. And so Life Over Coffee doesn't take nearly as much time. And so I can do two or three a week. And so what you need to do, again, if you want to listen to our resources, stay subscribed here to Your Daily Drive, and then jump over to Life Over Coffee. And if you can't find the Life Over Coffee podcast, I need for you to let me know. Go to the contact button on our website and say, hey, I I want to subscribe to Life Over Coffee on this particular network, if it's Podbean, iTunes, whatever. Let us know, and if we don't have it where you want it, well, we will do our best to get it where you want it. So you subscribe to Your Daily Drive, subscribe to Life Over Coffee, and you won't get less, you will get more. So will you do that? And also, if you haven't written a, a uh, what do you call it? If you hadn't written a review, that's what I'm trying to say, to our podcast, would you do that? Would you give us a five-star review and then write out something and and put it on your podcast network where you're listening to it right now? Do one for your daily drive, and then if you're already listening to Life Over Coffee, would you write a review? Or if you subscribe, uh, would you write one soon? The reason is because it's going to help us to reach more people. The algorithms work that way. Algorithms are not all bad. They are bad. I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but they're not all bad. And sometimes the algorithms can work for us. And so if you write a review, it will help push our content up toward the top of the search engines and people will find it. And ultimately that is the goal. We want to reach every human in the world with the practical message of Jesus Christ. And, you know, some people talk about how can we support your ministry. Well, that is one of the best ways that you can support our ministry. Write good reviews and share our content. Please share. Someone said on Facebook in the last week, is it okay to share this? No need to ask that question. Go ahead and share it. Thank you very much. So please share our our resources. And so that is the change. And so this is your one weekly offering of your daily drive. And as always, there's an article that accompanies this podcast. And so if you want to read, and you know that I have a lot of links embedded in our articles. The difference between the articles on your daily drive and the show notes for Life Over Coffee is that show notes notes or bullet points, abbreviated. It's not a plenary written out content of what I'm saying in that podcast. But Your Daily Drive is plenary. It's all written out. And so what I'm sharing with you, you can find in the article, but not just the written content. There are a lot of embedded links inside of the article, which makes this this podcast and these articles it makes it a, a robust homework assignment. 
because they can listen to this podcast, they can read the article, and then they can go through these 25 links that is inside of the article, and you could spend several weeks just studying this one topic. I also have a video inside this article as well, and so you want to take advantage of that. All right, here's the title of the article. This is what I want to share with you. The title is Warning. There is an algorithmic version of you on the internet. Now, what do I mean by an algorithmic version of you? An algorithm is a formula. It is a way of collecting data about you to make your life better. Now, that's what they say. And I've already said that if you write a review for our podcast, it's going to make your life better, my life better, and it's going to make somebody else's life better because the algorithm will work for us. It will reach more people, and that's what makes our life better. We can live in the satisfaction of knowing that we're cooperating with the Lord to communicate the practical message of Christ to other people, and we can leverage an algorithm for our benefit. And so there is a redemptive use of technology. You probably have heard me say that before. That is an important aspect of our ministry because our ministry is a cyber ministry. We work in cyberspace. Someone wrote in uh, in the last couple of weeks, and they were surprised that we don't have any brick-and-mortar office buildings that we how do you do that you work in cyberspace we're all we have virtual assistants who they're in their homes and they're working in our big box store and we meet you there it's a different kind of ministry and i i do understand that but it also it's what makes it global it what it's what makes it so expansive it's what makes it so redemptive and algorithms is is one of the ways that that helps us to reach more people. So in that sense, it does make our life better. It is a collection of data bits that reflects your internet habits. It's a cyber reflection. You can maybe visualize this movie of sorts where all of these pieces are just floating out in cyberspace, and then they magnetically come together and form a silhouette that is you. An algorithm, an algorithmic version of you is a cyber reflection of you. It it is a collection of all the stuff that you do on the internet. And that's why I titled the podcast Warning, because I've been talking about the redemptive purposes of this, but with a a light side, there's always a dark side. A good side, there's always a bad side. With a strength, there's a, a weakness. And so we want to make sure that we understand both sides of the potential here. Now, in marketing, an algorithm on a person, I mean, you can imagine, it helps sellers. They can target a specific demographic. They can target an individual which is why they have created an algorithmic version of you in cyberspace. The tech gods, they want to know about you so they can help you, so they say. Now, again, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as you've already heard. There's an algorithmic upside. Having an algorithmic version of you in cyberspace is, I mean, it can save a business time and 
and money by targeting people that they know will like their stuff. I mean, it's a safe bet. They don't have to wonder what you think or what you're looking for. They know they're watching you. Now, from a business perspective, it does remove speculation. And I realize there are inherent problems with this. I'm not, I'm not a fool on this matter. But you can also perceive the value of this. And by the way, you're like this too. Let me give you a very practical illustration. How many decisions have you made where you wished you knew the outcome before you stepped out in faith? I'm like that too. I mean, we've all been there. It goes something like this. Lord, I want to trust you, but if you can give me some objective assurance of the outcome, I would feel better about making this decision. Now, of course, we know that's not faith. That's an individual who wants to know the end before they begin. And that's what an algorithm does for a business. And on its face, it sounds like a good idea, but knowing all the information about us that just obliterates all privacy, well, that can't be good. That is not good. Let me be more definitive. I mean, there are some... Our natural instincts may want to push us to want to know more, but sometimes it's best to have a few fig leaves on in our lives. And the tech gods aren't interested in your fig leaves. Therefore, you need to put on your own fig leaves. You need to understand the Internet. And I know that many of you do, but we do have an older demographic that comes to our ministry and because they won't help. They want practical help. They have real problems, and they're looking for answers. But because we are a cyber ministry, and, and they're 45 or 65 years old, the older demographic is not as savvy in computer technology, and therefore they don't know these things. We get these requests all the time from the 55-year-old person who says, I just don't know how to navigate the website because it's not their experience. Now, a 25-year-old, I mean, they can do it with a snap. It's no issue for them at all. But we want to serve the demographic that does come to us, and that's why it's important that you do understand algorithms. It is a good thing, yes. For example, when you go on any website, it's, it's a legal matter. You have to let them know about you have to let the customer know about cookies. And I don't want you to be alarmed by that. It tells you to accept cookies. And when you accept cookies on our website, that's not a bad thing at all. It it really isn't. We don't do anything with that. I don't even have the sense to do anything with it. But what it does is that it remembers you so that when you come back to our website, you don't have to retype in your password. You don't have to redo certain things, which makes your life easier. And so that is a good thing. But there is a bad thing. Have you heard the term artificial intelligence? It's called AI. Artificial intelligence is them wanting to know you so that they can predict your uh, your habits, so they can predict you. They want to gain cyber snapshots and snippets of your life so they can know you. The cyber, here's the irony of that. Artificial intelligence, they actually know the worst parts of us. And what I mean by that, we're more likely to go on Google to surf something, look for something, something that we don't want other people to know about. 
For example, let's say you had a counseling issue and you don't want your pastor to know that you are looking for counseling or you have a child that's done this or a wife that's done that, but you don't want anybody to know. And so you go on the internet and you look for a counselor, and we do have them that come to us, and they say, I don't, I don't want anybody to know this. I just you know, want some help. Well, artificial intelligence and algor- this algorithmic version of yourself, it follows you around, and it takes these cyber snapshots and snippets. Artificial intelligence knows the worst parts of us because we tend to keep secrets where our real-world friends only know our representative. I mean, you can interact with a lot, lots of people who will not know you, but if they saw the algorithmic version of you, it's like, oh, this is who you really are. Think about that for a moment. Now, to give us a false sense of security, around 2008, Safari introduced private browsing where you can actually go on Safari, and then other browsers also implemented this feature. And the idea is is that it doesn't leave any traces of cyber dust of where you have been on the Internet. And I can see some good reasons for having private browsing, but also the Christian community, we just sent up flares because this created a cyber backdoor, for example, to go porn hunting with impunity. And that is a legitimate concern for those who want to be devious and want to be secretive about their lives. They can go incognito. They can go through the private browsing feature and do all sorts of things. Now, I'm not sure that the creators of private browsing had the pornographer in mind I mean, I would imagine to think charitably here that they were thinking about the advantages of not being watched by Big Brother. You don't want to be watched by Big Brother. I know a lot of friends, I have several friends who take hyper-precautions, meaning precautions that most people don't take because they're just things that they don't do on the internet because they do not want Big Brother watching, and that was the intent behind private browsing. But, of course, that also has issues because it is a cyber backdoor for those who are hunting for things that are lust-filled or nefarious. The Safari engineers could not have known how this feature would eventually go to war with the world's AI developers. There is a whole army of people, and you could probably just say Google, who want to use AI to predict what you want to do before you even know you want to do it. There's a book called Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. It is linked here inside this article, and I would appeal to you to, if if you have time, you can get the audio version, Kindle version, the paperback version, and, and read this book. One of the things that the author talks about is Google's 300 year plan. Yeah, I said that correctly a 300-year plan. Their 300-year plan is to predict you, to know what you want before you even know what you want. That's where AI is going. I'm not going to see that day, and I suppose you're not going to see it either, but we are heading there. Google has already conquered less futuristic and more reachable goals. I mean, the 300-year plan where they know 
what you want. For example, when you go to bed at night, this AI that they're trying to develop, that when you wake up in the morning, you will have things prepared and ready that you didn't even think about, but they know you so well that they thought about it for you. That's scary to me. But they're already doing it. You see this virtually every day that you go on your browser. How does that work? Google tells you what you are looking for as fast as you can type the first few letters in your browser. They are predicting your behavior. For example, if you were to go on my computer and go into browser and type the letter R, as soon as you typed R, guess what would hop up? RickThomas.net. Because that is the most common thing that I search for with the letter R because I'm on our website all the time. And so when I type R, well, the algorithm has already memorized my habits. Now, I'm going to, let let me just, for self-disclosure's sake, let me tell you, I wish every time you typed R in your browser, our ministry would populate faster than you could finish uh, the the URL, rickthomas.net. Self-populating options own demand to fit your preference. Well, that has a significant upside. You just want to type, and as soon as you get started, they, they get you there faster than you can get there with your fingers. That's what an algorithm will do. Of course, there is a downside. I mean, suppose you were on Facebook mindlessly just streaming along, and an ad popped up, and you clicked on it, and it took you to some place that you regret. Well, guess what? That becomes part of your cyber dust. That becomes part of your algorithm. And it's important for you to know and for me to continue to remind myself that AI will not go away. And neither will your desire to crave one more thing or for humans to want to create this because we keep pushing the limits and sometimes we push past barriers that we shouldn't go beyond. It reminds me of Genesis 11. Give a man a brick and he'll build a mountain to the heavens, the Tower of Babel. And we need to be careful about this. And that's why I titled the podcast, Warning, There is an Algorithmic Version of You on the Internet. I've talked about the upside and I've talked about the downside. Let me give you some practical tips here. My goal here is not to scare you unnecessarily. I I don't want to do that, but I do feel compelled. I mean, part of it is because we, our ministry, lives in cyberspace. And so people come to us in cyberspace, and we want them to know. We want them to be computer tech savvy And so we want to be forthright and transparent about how we operate our ministry and the the huge benefit of it. I mean, thousands and thousands of people the Lord has reached, touched, helped over the 12 years that we have been doing this. But as I mentioned, with every light side, dark side, every good side, bad side. And so I want to warn you about this world, which is unlike... This time that we are living is unlike any other time in our history, but you can defend yourself. You really can. I mean, private browsing is just one option, and that can be used in redemptive ways, understanding the downside, of course. Do you know you could also purchase a VPN security device like ExpressVPN? That's another possibility. It's, a, it's an encrypted 
security service that masks your IP from search engines. Your IP is your computer's address, like your home address or like your social security number. Your computer has a unique address. We call it an IP. Well, ExpressVPN can mask your IP from search engines. Also, having secure password protection is essential. One of the most common passwords that people have, if I say this and you have this password, then please change it. But it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's the most com- I think that's the most common one from what Lucia was, was telling me. But you should not have simple, memorable Passwords, because if it's simple and memorable, it's going to be something about you, your birth date, you know, how many children you have, nicknames, and so forth. Don't have that as a password. There are services that we have today, and the one that we use is LastPass. I'm not an affiliate with LastPass. I don't get any compensation, but we use it, and there are others out there. But my passwords are all 20 digits, not letters and numbers. There are letters and numbers in there, but there's all the funky stuff on your keypad too. It's virtually impossible to figure out our passwords. And we change them somewhat regularly. Now we use LastPass, and so it automatically populates. The only password that we need to know is the master password to LastPass. But the rest of it is in a secure vault, and so it it populates for us. So we don't have to remember our passwords. I just appeal to you to to take that action. And then there are other protective measures like Covenant Eyes, which many of you are familiar with and you use. And so I would appeal to you to think about some of these. And there's links here that go to these specific things that I have mentioned, or you can get something that is comparable to these things, but do the work and set yourself up and and put these guards in place. Some of the biggest culprits are Google, Facebook, Twitter, as far as data that they collect and the direction that they can guide you or the information that they provide you. Recently, we just moved away from Twitter. We have virtually nothing on there now, and we don't add, I don't add our articles and and comments on there anymore. We moved to Parler. It is a a better network for what we do as far as a Twitter type uh, service, and so we we use Parler. But part of that is because of the algorithms. Google wants mind control, and they implement what they, they, build the algorithms to do the mind control. I talked about the 300-year plan. I talked about less futuristic goals as they self-populate your browser when you type in a letter or two. But it also happens with elections, and many of you already know this. And you can prove this, by the way. It, you, If you type in the two current Democratic-Republican presidential candidates, the one that Google likes, if you type their name in, it will give you all positive reviews on the first page. If you type in the name of the person that they don't want in office, it'll give you all unfavorable reviews on the front page. You can test you can test that because they control the algorithm, which means they can drive an election. They want to do mind control. And so you have been warned. If you want to read what I just shared with you, again, the title, Warning, there is an algorithmic version of you on the internet. Now, I have 11 points in the call to action. I will not be able to share all of those with you in 
the remainder of this podcast, but I do appeal to you that you take this seriously. We are in a significant transformative time as far as technology is concerned, and they are making significant headway, and there are so many things that they are doing, most of which that we don't even know. But as much as we can educate ourselves and protect ourselves, I cannot make my appeal any stronger for you to do that. And so let me share a couple of things in my 11-point checklist in the call to action. Number one, don't click on everything that comes across your screen. Ask God to give you discernment and self-control. Resist temptation. Now, perhaps you need to fast from computer, from social media, from whatever portal that you use to go in to the internet. Maybe you need to fast. Some of you may need to cut the cord. My teenage daughter kicked Instagram to the curb. In fact, she kicked all social media to the curb a year or so ago, and I just commend her. We did not force that, engineer that, coerce that. That was something that was between her and the Lord, but we definitely supported it. Lucia did the same thing with Facebook. She cut the cord a year or so ago, and she's been better for it. And many of you know my policy on social media is unidirectional. It's just for sending out information. I do not interact on social media because I do understand the temptation. And there's other reasons too, but our family tends to stay away from it. And maybe you want to consider that. There's other things here. Oh, there's so much about the ads that you receive, uh, how you use your mobile device, having accountability with friends and family. But all those things are listed here, and I would love for you to read these 11 points in the call to action. Read this article, share it with a friend. As always, we're here to serve you, so please let us know. Jump on our forums. Let's talk. Thanks for listening.